This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. EM Weekly starting right now, bringing emergency managers from around the world together to learn, share and collaborate. Good morning, good morning, good morning. So today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, volunteerism and, and how to manage those volunteers because I think it's important. And uh, so Dan, just popped on. How's it going, good, brother? Good, well, good morning. <laughs> you know, I, love I, you, Todd. I love you, Todd. I just got to tell you right now, I love you, man. But, but you too. You too. Hey, you know, you know, you know what's going crazy? So I was talking to my sister yesterday um, and she lives um, in Albany, New York, right? And as I'm talking to her, she's like, oh, you know, the, so that, oh, by the way, if you guys didn't know, there's a huge snowstorm hitting the Northeast today. And uh, she's like, oh, it's starting to snow. And she's like, oh, they talk about that. And, big, you know, they're getting ready to hunker down for this big snowstorm. And uh, that's when I always look at her and I go, oh, man, I, I, I am, I'm happy I am from New York and I'm living in Southern California because it's going to be like 72 degrees out today here in Orange County. And, you know, it's going to be well, not sunny out, but it's definitely not uh, snowy out. So, uh, but for everybody back in the Northeast, <laughs> stay safe. Don't do, do anything crazy. I know y'all know not to drive, but for all those people who are new to the Northeast, yeah, don't, don't go crazy and, and, and drive out there. Um, you know, I remember when I was a volunteer firefighter over there at this time of year, we'd be pulling people out of ditches left and right, um, because of, uh, because of uh, bad driving. And so speaking of volunteers, speaking of volunteers, I want to bring in, our guest today. Mike Ross has been involved in volunteer emergency management support for over 10 years, and he now serves as the program manager for the East Texas Regional CERT program. And um, after being involved in his first couple of emergency callouts, he saw that there was a need uh, for improving ways to communicate, which we talked about before, and uh, share information between agencies and also with the public. So Mike started an organization called 9-1 Media, and he is making he made an app called Deploy Pro. And Mike, welcome to EM Weekly. Hi, how you doing? <laughs> doing okay. Doing okay. Crazy, crazy computer morning, that's for sure. <laughs> yes. Hopefully we have all these Wi-Fi issues worked out. Oh man, yeah, that's for sure. So Mike, so tell me a little bit about your your volunteer experience and why you felt the the need uh, to create this uh, app. Well, it really came down to the first time our, our team got called out uh, for a tornado. And oddly enough, the, the staging area for where they wanted us to meet was about 10 minutes from my house. And due to a lack of good information and some vague information that we received, it took me about 45 minutes to finally find where the actual staging area was. And, you know, when, I, when that happened, I, I said, there has to be a better way of doing this. So I decided to put together an app that would allow uh, the, the team leader and incident commander to be able to put down markers where staging was, where medical was, where all the different places that uh, people were gonna have to look for and share that information with other team members and other agencies. So the community emergency response team, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's a big deal everywhere. Um, and it's, it, the, the more people you can get joining that team, being, being a part of getting that training, is amazing, but it seems like you found a, a way to uh, not only um, assist 
uh, those that are on the ground, but also keep them safe. Can we talk about that for a minute? Yeah, the uh, with you know obviously with volunteers, you know safety is the big thing, and you know with CERT we always train volunteers to not try to you know do things that are outside of the scope of the training that we offer. Uh, but you know with the app, what we try to do is uh, get people to locations of things that are higher priority. Uh, put warnings out on the map of things that we should be avoiding. Uh, hazmat is a big stop sign. Uh, for CERT team members, so we allow them to put markers down where there's hazmat situations or power lines down, things along those lines, hazards, again, that, that you want to avoid. Those who utilize the app out in the field, what kind of training do you utilize with that? So one of the biggest issues that I've found with apps in this industry is that they seem to be built um, with the mindset of more is better. And uh, that sometimes creates a very cumbersome environment that users end up not wanting to use because they have trouble navigating through it, finding what it is they're looking for. Uh, so really what I wanted to build was an app that anybody could download, install on their phone, and with very little guidance be able to figure out exactly how to use the app and interact with it and share information with other team members. Uh, I added a user manual inside the app simply because I kind of thought that was obligatory. Uh, but I've had people that have never used the app before show up on scene at some sort of a training or event that we're doing, install the app, and start using it day one right on the spot and, and not have any problems using it. So what are some of the biggest issues that you found uh, managing volunteers? The biggest one is participation, right? Uh, volunteers are not employed, so you really can't dictate to them what it is that they should be doing. Uh, you can have some rules and some guidelines, but then again, if you don't make it enjoyable for them and you don't make it a, an experience that they want to participate in, they're just not going to participate. Uh, so, you know, I think from what I've seen in the, the forums online, that seems to be a common thread for pretty much every volunteer organization that I've ever seen, especially CERT teams, mm -hmm. because every program manager says, how do I get my team members to come out to more events and, and do more? So we try to provide a lot of different trainings, a wide range of trainings, <clears throat> uh, some of which we bring in other agencies. So for instance, we have uh, one of my clients in my business is a company that does autism counseling. And so we brought some of their counselors in to talk to our team about uh, dealing with autistic people during a search. We actually had several members of local sheriff's department come out because that's training that we can all use. Um, and, and in other ways that I try to get volunteers to participate is finding other things outside of the normal task of a CERT volunteer, you know, the normal trainings and whatnot. So I'll recruit people to write blogs for our website, uh, recruit people to help take care of the trailer, just find different things to do that fit their skill sets so that they feel more of a member, a valued member of the team than just waiting for that phone call type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I always think the idea of like use it or lose it basically, that volunteers want to be used and if you don't use them, they, they'll go away to else, elsewhere. Um, right. Now, you guys, you have the typical, um, you know, 80-20 issues, right? Where 80% or 20% of the people do 80% of the work? Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's the case with us as well. Uh, but we, we, you know, under normal conditions, we carry 
uh, about a 65% participation rate. And what we measure by participation, meaning uh, if they come out to one event, one training, one public event support, a drill, anything, we count that as their participation for the year. Uh, we run, uh, we have a roster of about 200 members. And so we're, we're getting, like I said, about two thirds of those coming out to something during the course of the year to at least stay checked into the system. Because um, the last thing you want to do is have people show up for an emergency and you don't know who they are. And obviously when you're, you know, you're in an operation, that trust level of knowing what somebody's capability is, is, is important. So let me ask this question as far as, you know, the CERT team and it goes across the country. So uh, how do you, how do you, um, how's your, your uh, system built out to uh, support a localized team where they can actually have control, manage it, put out messaging and, and the support the team that they are actually representing? So we, we are a, our team is unique in that we're a kind of a regional team. We support five counties and a small town inside of a sixth county. And obviously span of control is an issue. So we've designated a county coordinator for each county who is really responsible for driving recruitment in that county, communication with the team members within their county, where I, being the program manager over the entire organization, take more of a higher level look at fundraising and interaction with different agencies and things along those lines. Um, you know, it's, it's, you, you hit the nail on the head when you said earlier, if a, if a volunteer doesn't uh, get used, they'll find something else to do. So we find it important to stay in constant contact with our agency partners to let them know what our capabilities are and what it is that we're able to do. Um, so that when the time comes that we are able to be used, uh, we're one of the first names they think of to contact, uh, to help out. Uh, we, we do a lot of missing person searches, mm. so we do get, unfortunately, we get used for that quite a bit. Uh, we've done six this year, um, and, you know, uh, that's something that we kind of pride ourselves on is having train, some advanced training with a lot of different search and rescue teams in terms of how to set up a search and set up perimeters and, and, and coordinate the search within that type of a search area. Well, that's great. I mean, I, th I think it's great that you're using the cert and stuff like that for, for the outside of the, what do they call the traditional cert um, roles. It's funny because I was actually having a, a talk with some, or a chat with a bunch of people on one of the cert groups uh, over on Facebook. And, uh, you know, some people are like, oh, you know, cert jobs are, are, are this, there's like this doctrine. And uh, uh, I think it's kind of funny because the good thing about cert is that the stuff that you learn from the FEMA curriculum is the baseline, right? And right. you can expand or do what you need to do with your CERT program to either grow it, do different things. I mean, there are some uh, CERT teams that actually incorporate like a medical reserve corps uh, type component to it because they have larger, um, they're in a volunteer area and they have um, doctors and nurses and stuff that um, can roll out and, and do medical stuff. So, yeah, I mean, to, to utilize CERT in different ways, uh, I think is uh, is a uh, is critical. So go and another question on your CERT program. And you said you're a regional program. Um, how did it start regionally? Oh, I think we lost Mike. You freeze up on us. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, that's okay. Well, we could talk a little bit about regional SERP programs. Um, and I was going to ask, the reason why I was asking Mike about how they started their program originally is in Orange County, California, where I'm at, um, we have a, a program called CMAP. It's a CERT mutual aid uh, partnership or program. And um, the idea of CMAP uh, was taking all of the search cities in Orange County, which is, I think there's like 21 or 22. Somebody out there who's listening and knows the exact number right now, you could please correct me. Um, anyway, they, and they meet monthly um, to discuss different things. And we actually utilized them, the CMAP program um, successfully earlier on, right. When we, when we established, so we had a large fire, uh, the Santiago Canyon fire in 2007 and then the freeway complex fire in 2008. And we utilized successfully the SERP programs back to back. Um, and we had like something, I don't know, it was like around 250 volunteers come through um, to do various jobs. And it was what we did is we we're able to take jobs that uh, firefighters or law enforcement would be doing such as like, just internal traffic control. What I mean by that is um, when we're at the command post, right? Not external on the street, uh, that type of stuff, work at the front gate, um, you know, to, you know, allowing the right people in donations, management, um, things like that. Um, uh, doing utility driving. Uh, so taking like food and stuff like this over to uh, the front lines, um, if you will. And so that's how we utilize the SERP program. And I thought that was kind of, you know, that's how we did it regionally. So, ah, Mike's back. So, Mike, we're just talking about how we utilized us a regional program here uh, in Orange County, California. How did your regional program start in Texas and, and like how long have you guys been doing that? So the program was started about 11 years ago. And it was started actually in my hometown, but unfortunately due to the size of the town, it just wasn't large enough to draw enough people to create a cert team that was actually gonna be able to do something. So uh, the gentleman that started the team went to the different counties in the area and was able to get enough support from the different counties so that we could end up forming a, a, the regional team that we have now. So it started off as the is fate cert fate being the name of the town and then changed into the east Texas regional cert that it was that it is now and you know i remember when we first started the team there'd be four of us that would come up to a, an event to help and now you know i i can put a request out to the team and say hey i need 15 20 members for this event and it'll fill up within two or three days and you know we'll have a, a good team set up uh, we'll have sometimes as many as 50 people show up for some sort of an emergency deployment. Um, and, and the night of, we, we had a big tornado. Most people actually that I talked to know about it the, in Rowlett, Texas, the day after Christmas, about five years ago. And, uh, you know, we, we had 50, 60 people deploy that night for the tornado. Uh, so we started off very small but like i said when you learn that you don't have enough population to support the team you have to look elsewhere sure so eileen brings up a good point she talks about um some sort of programs aren't utilized because they, they fall outside jurisdictions and sometimes people don't want to utilize programs that they don't have control over and um i think that's a uh, that's a really good point um yeah i mean so do you see that who controls your SERP program and how do you guys coordinate that? So, uh, oddly enough, I mean, 
I guess we're blessed because from what I've heard from other teams, they don't have this kind of independence, but I control our team. And we're sponsored by uh, one of our local county offices, Emergency Management, who's our official agency sponsor. Um, but we've got a really good relationship uh, with the emergency managers and all the counties that we're in um, who pretty much allow us to act independently. Now, that, that doesn't mean that we self-deploy, but it means that when when they call us out, they pretty much leave it up to us to determine how we operate and uh, what it is that we're, we're able to do. Um, and that hasn't been easy to earn that trust uh, because you, you have to show them that you can perform at a high level and make them not be afraid of having a bunch of Lone Rangers running around, you know, doing things they shouldn't be doing. Right. Um, you know, so it's not uncommon for us to get called out by one of the local law enforcement agencies for a search and have them hand the search over to us to actually run the operation of the search. And their officers um, basically might, they might go out and do door to door, but our team members will interact and, and integrate in with their officers to go perform those duties. So we, we, we've also partnered with many canine teams in the area so that we have access to those kind of assets. So we really try to be the, the Rolodex, so to speak, for the, the, the emergency management agencies in our area so that when they say, hey, we need help, they know that not, not only does it come with East Tech CERT coming on scene, but it might mean uh, a, a team that utilizes horses for search because we do deal with a lot of rural areas, or it might mean a canine team is going to be brought in as well. Um, so we really try to bring a lot to the table for all the agencies in our areas that we become an invaluable resource instead of something that they look at as being, ah, they're just volunteers. They don't, they don't know what they're doing type of attitude. Right. And for the young guys out there, a Rolodex, it's kind of like your contact list on your phone. <laughs> so, Sorry. Guess I'm dating myself there. So Matt Dana talks about the CERT team in Lomita, um, that they use individual skills to help out the best they can. And uh, CERT members, hey, right, ham radios for communicators, people with uh, EMS stuff and with, uh, with sort of do medical stuff. And uh, they're a small team, a small city, but they're working great. And you know what? I mean, speaking of that, when you go into um, what you can do for your CERT teams and stuff, and I, like I told you, I, I use uh, BandQuest for, for, my, for my stuff right now, and I got this uh, BandQuest medical kit. And inside the medical kit as well is there's a great uh, – the, the, the orange bag itself, right? And it's, let me do it. It's going to be loud. Oh, I hate this. Oh, it's loud, loud, loud. Oh, terrible, loud. There it is. This is what it looks like on the inside. You know, well put together, well put together kit. And, you know, you too can get a discount on using BandQuest gear. It's BandQuest.com. And you can use your EM week, EM5 weekly uh, at your disc, at your checkout for your discount. That's BandQuest gear, BandQuest.com, EM5 weekly for your discount. That's also the show notes as well. Seconds count during an emergency. That's why at Titan HST, we're always inventing new technology to help people stay safe and help people who can provide help get connected with people who need help. At Titan HST, we've deployed mesh networking, allowing emergency communication even when networks are down, augmented reality, and real-time translation. We believe in the power of people to help each other stay safe and thrive. The Outer Limits Supply Company was founded on the idea of providing high-quality first aid kits 
Their goal is to supply the life-saving equipment you'll need to mitigate the majority of medical or traumatic injuries often seen during austere conditions. Whether it is when you are on the outdoor adventure or your team has responded to a major crisis, the Outer Limit Supply Company provides practical, user-friendly first aid and trauma kits that anyone can use. If you enter EM Weekly at checkout, you'll receive 20% off your purchase. So go to www.outerlimitsupply.com today. Thank you guys for listening to our sponsors. Without them, we could not bring you the quality shows that we do. And, uh, and yeah, and check them out and tell them that you, you know, EM Weekly uh, sent you. So Eileen says, um, and I, I get what she's talking about regarding the use of CERT programs. She goes, in, in some cases, it's a pur- uh, purely control issue for a specific agency head. And, and yeah, I mean, like, you're, there are politics that get played into, especially with the volunteer organizations. And then, you know, and which is sad in some cases, too, you have, um, you know, union issues, right? Union uh, members do not want volunteers because they feel they're being supplanted and not being supported uh, by those volunteers. Have you dealt with any of those issues as well? You know, the union issues or, or the professional firefighters or professional rescuers not being happy with having volunteers on scene? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, you're right. Politics does play a part in this. Um, you know, we, we do deal with that in some of the areas that we work with. Not so much the union side as it is the the politics of control um, you know, I, I don't know if any way to get rid of that other than change of personnel that are involved in the situation. Um, but, you know, we, as I said, I know we have a little bit of a different situation with our team than some others in that we really do get a lot of support from our local agencies. Um, we got called out for a damage assessment uh, a couple of months ago in a county that's not even in our support that we don't have an agreement with for support. Uh, it's a very small county. They don't have a CERT team out there, but they really needed the help. So they called us to ask us if we would come out to assist them with their damage assessments. And we're always willing to help you know, in any way we can. So, um, you know, I, I think the best way to beat politics is to somehow show them that you are a competent resource for them and something that they can benefit from. And, you know, hopefully they, they open up to you and they, they let you come out, you know, participate and support in whatever role that they, they ask. I think ultimately, you know, to, to build a quality program, you got to just let, you know, let the local jurisdiction that you're bringing value to the community and you're building, uh, building others to be able to not only take care of others, but take care of themselves. So as, as you've expanded, what has what your training um, been like in helping others develop programs as well? Other surrounding jurisdictions or incorporating them into your program? So, yeah, we, we open up our training to anybody that wants to go. So if somebody outside of our area wants to take the CERT training and, and maybe get the ball rolling on a CERT team in their area, we're, we're more than happy to let them come through our class and uh, get, the, get the training that they need. Uh, it's, it, it's difficult, you know, because CERT teams obviously need to have some sort of an agency support structure to even start. And, you know going out and having the conversation with that law enforcement agency or the emergency manager in a particular county, I think is a big piece. We've put together a PowerPoint that kind of shows uh, how, our, how our team is structured in terms of leadership, 
what, what trainings we offer as part of the basic CERT class, and then also what additional trainings we teach for any CERT team member that wants to learn those skills. So, you know, we, we do a training on setting up a helicopter landing zone. We'll do a training on dealing with autistic people. You know, we'll do a training on how to use a radio effectively. We'll do trainings on traffic control. So any skills that our team members might need to use uh, on a deployment, we try to provide trainings on a, you know, an annual basis to help provide that training to them to help them fit whatever that role is. You know, the one thing that we've, we hear from a lot of our agency partners is, is that we actually take a lot off their plate to allow them to go do the heavy lifting doing other things. You know, if they don't have to go set up a landing zone for that helicopter that comes in, that frees them up to go do things that they can spend their time doing, knowing that East Tech CERT's got that under control. We don't have to worry about it. Um, you know, so it's it's just bringing, like I said earlier, bringing a lot more to the table than just the basic CERT training um, and, and letting them know that we can handle it. And the way we kind of get the, our foot in the door is, is helping them with a public event, Right. So if their officers don't have to handle traffic control or parking or any of those types of things, and they can hand that off to us, um, and the event goes real smooth and everything goes as planned, it, it, it helps build that trust with them that, you know what, if they can handle this effectively, maybe they can help us out with that, with these other events. So it, it, it's, it just takes time and, and getting your foot in the door, really. So how does Deploy Pro help you out with managing your volunteers? So the biggest piece with us is, is safety and, you know, where are our team members at any given time? So Deploy Pro tracks the location of your team members out in the field. Um, you can color code the pins based on search team or, you know, whatever team that that particular team member is on. So I know search team one is over here and search team two is over there. Um, and sharing that information about, you know, where a victim is located or, or there's a power line down. You know, in, in a lot of disasters, there's no road signs, right? So you can't say, well, I got victims at the corner of First Ave and Main Street. Well, I, I don't know where I'm at. And out in the middle of the woods, there's no street signs. So you can't really say, well, I've got victims at my location. Well, well where's that? I'm by the big rock, you know, next to the river. You know, so what it allows a team member to do is, you know, open up the app, you know, drop a victim marker right on their spot. They can type in a note and says, you know, hey, we have two reds and one green at this location. When they hit add, I can hit refresh on my app back at the command and see exactly where that marker is and then deploy whatever assets need to be deployed to that specific location. Um, we just added messaging as a functionality within the app as part of the, the Deploy Pro Plus piece of it. And that allows uh, team leaders to be able to send out notifications through the app either as just a generic message or as what we call a request inside the app where I can add a yes or no question at the end of the message and it allows the team member to hit just yes or no as a simple answer and it allows me to see how many yeses answered and who answered yes. So if I'm doing a call out, I can type in a message, say missing person, staging at this location, are you able to respond? And any one of my team members can just hit yes or no and, you know, I've told them, you know, many, many times, I don't need a barrage of texts coming back to me telling me that you can't come or that you can come because I'm doing the same thing you're doing right now, which is getting ready to go, getting geared up and getting ready to head out the door. 
But if I can at a glance say, I've got 15 people that said yes, and see a list of names real quick, that helps me tremendously as I'm on my way to the scene to be able to tell you know, the police chief or the fire chief, I've got 15 team members that responded yes. And you know, we're on our way. Right. That's awesome. If somebody wanted to like get a demo or see more of it, how can they find you? You go on the website, deploypro.net. Um, anybody that wants to get a login to the Deploy Pro Plus piece of it, which is a paid piece, Deploy Pro itself is a free app. So no volunteer or team member will ever have to pay a dime to ever use the app. Um, if you want to subscribe to the additional functions as a team, that, that opportunity is there. But uh, anybody that's a listener that wants to get a free look at the back end, I'd be more than happy to set them up with a free trial so they can go in and play with it um, and, and get a look at the, the web-based dashboard that you get access to, um, as well as the, the back end, the, the app with the team, team leader functions. That's awesome. I took a look at it. So it looks really friendly to use, um, and it looks like it's something that if I was still managing volunteers, I'd probably take a look at it a little closer and, and uh, get my team using it because, it, again, safety is always the, the, the first cause for it. For me, when I take a look at these things, it looks like there's some communication on there. And I think it's a worthwhile uh, look. Hey, uh, Mike, thank you so much for your time today. It was a pleasure having you um, on the show. Uh, Daniel? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I didn't expect that coming to me, so I appreciate. Yes, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you, Todd, for for throwing it to me last minute. <laughs> that catch me off guard, like a you know deer in the headlights, you know. But a like a meerkat even just popped me up a little bit. You know, but uh, thank you everybody for taking the time to to watch us today to uh, to hear what we have to say. Um, and we will see you next week. We were doing a, we're actually going to be doing a uh, joint show to, uh, um, co- you know, talk about uh, the holiday, talk about, um, wish everybody a Merry Christmas, have a little fun. So tune in next week, next Wednesday, uh, Wednesday, the uh, 23rd. Thank you very much and talk to you soon. <laughs>